Welcome to Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. Are you hungry to hear more about our beautiful Savior Jesus? Well, the Bible declares that grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of Jesus. Join me for revelatory teaching, interviews with leaders in the body of Christ, and testimonies of God's goodness in your life. Thanks for joining the conversation to reveal more of Jesus to a hurting world today. Because see, your success in life is not measured by what you've done, but what you've left undone. What is it that God wants you to do that you say, well, I'm just not that kind of person like you that goes on out and talks that way and does this. You have your own story that nobody can right. take away from you. But before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to our Christina Prayer Ministry sponsors who help support the mission to unite the body of Christ and fulfill the Great Commission with love. A big shout out to Gopher Ministries who provides all of our equipment for our gospel events. Davis Financial Services who does all of our financial accounting Harvest Family Network, through which I am licensed and ordained, and Life-Changing Productions, who helps put together evangelistic events to reach our city for Jesus. If you or your organization are interested in becoming a CPM sponsor, you can find out more information on our website at ChristinaPereira.org. Do you have a loved one special occasion coming up? and don't know what to get them, well, now you can sponsor an episode of Revealing Jesus in their name. And you can give them a special dedication message read on air. It makes a great gift. To find out more information, just go to christinaperreira.org slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, and I'm so excited to have you with me here today. I hope and I pray that you are doing well right where you are and enjoying the continuously flowing favor of grace pouring from our beautiful Savior and Father in heaven. I've got a great show for you today. I have an amazing leader with me in the body of Christ today. He is an evangelist, teacher, and author, and the founding pastor of The House, and the author of Heart on Fire. You are chosen to change the world. I have with me here today, Glenn Bertrou. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Christina. It's going to be a great day. Those that are listening, I believe that God's going to bring some miracles to those today that are believing for it. And I believe that God is setting each person that's listening up to make a difference in their family and also their friends because God has chosen them to change the world that they live in. Amen. I couldn't agree more. When I first got a chance to look at your book, I just absolutely loved it. I love the heart on fire. And I love the message that each one of us has chosen to change the world because the truth is that God has hidden treasure in each and every one of us. And we need each and every one of us walking in our God-given calling gifts and talents so that we can reach this world for Jesus. So I'm so excited. I've told our listeners a lot about you today. Is there something you can share with them, maybe something personal, just to help get to know you? Well, I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. So when you see swamp people on TV, I look for my cousins <laughs> and relatives on that show. So I'm from that area and was raised in South Louisiana. So Cajun food is my favorite food. 
And I was definitely a Mardi Gras Catholic. If some of my Catholic friends know what that is, that means that you grew up in Mardi Gras and you go to Mardi Gras all the time and kind of went to the Catholic church. And as a kid, my parents didn't go, but they'd drop us off. And then eventually just didn't even take us anymore. But I grew up with seeing people get drunk, cursing each other out, smoking and partying. And the next morning drinking Bloody Marys and hugging and stuff like that. Just craziness. No one in my family had ever been saved. No one had ever been a Christian. No one was ever really going to church. I had never seen a Bible, read a Bible. No one ever witnessed to me all the way through high school. No one's ever even told me about the Lord, about salvation, about getting saved. Didn't even know anything about it. And so I played the guitar and I played football coming junior high school and high school. And so I was a football player. I was an All-American and as a running back in high school, I had scholarship offers all over the South to go play football. And I had a guy named Terry Bradshaw from Louisiana Tech University call me and said, look, I want you to come up here. And so I went up there and ended up signing a four-year scholarship to Louisiana Tech where we won two national championships there and, you know, just had the best teams they've had in 85 years. So. Wow. Then what happened is, Christina, we had a quarterback that was a Pentecostal preacher's kid that also signed, was a quarterback, and he signed a scholarship there. And the first day, people knew me in Louisiana because I was one of five of the best athletes, football players in the state of Louisiana that my senior year, and they called me Boom Boom. And the reason they called me Boom Boom, because we were the Broadmoor Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers had a ship cannon in the end zone every time you made a touchdown. So I was making two, at least two touchdowns a game. So the cannon would go boom, boom. So they call me boom, boom, Berto. So most people don't even know my name. They know me as boom, boom. So this guy, Denny, his name, Denny comes up to me my freshman year up in Louisiana Tech. We're coming in as a freshman year to play football in our first year. And he walks up. He's a preacher's kid. I don't know who he is. He just wanted to meet me. He said, hey, are you boom, boom? I said, yeah. I said, who are you? He said, I'm Denny. He said, good to meet you, Denny. And the first thing he says is that, are you saved? And I said, from what? I had no idea what he's talking. What did he say? From what? What are you talking about? He said, are you born again? And of course, my Catholic friends out there, if you're raised Catholic, you say you're Catholic because you don't know what else to say. <laughs> and he goes, well, have you confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart, Lord Jesus, to be saved? I said, what are you talking about, man? I said, I've been a, he goes, I said, are you a preacher? He goes, yeah. I said, well, I'm from Mardi Gras, New Orleans. I don't think we're in the same boat here. And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I'm a freshman in college and I had never even been asked a question or didn't know anything. And really the Lord placed me on his heart that this is the kingpin of the team that we get him saved. Everybody will fall like dominoes. And <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. So what happened is he would come down to my room and he would preach to me and I'd go down to his room and tell him a dirty joke, just upset him. And we would just at each other's throat. And he would get up at the team meeting and talk about we're going to have a Bible study and you'd have three people go. And then I'd get up and talk about where the party's going to be after the game. And I'd have the majority of the people following me. So we went through that about three years. And then eventually what happened, Christina, there was one week where I was getting ready to plan this thing called Galveston, Texas called Splash Day, spring break, kind of a spring break. And I'm in charge of 20 football players to go down the spring break. And that was going to be on a Friday. On a Tuesday night, what happens is I have a dream and it's a vision as real as we're talking right now. And in this vision, we are driving down on Friday 
You know, now I'm on Friday in the dream. We're going to Splash Day. We're going to spring break. We're drinking in the car. We've got all the drinks and stuff, all the liquor and all that. That's what you buy when you go to spring break. And so everybody's drinking stuff. Well, my friend, the football player, loses control of the car. And as I'm seeing his vision, it's as real as we're here. And it, the car starts flipping, hits a tree, explodes. Wow. Next thing I remember, I'm standing in front of this gold gate. Everything's white and gold. And there's a man in a robe who you assume is Jesus, you know, who you picture kind of looks like is standing there with his arms folded in front of the gate. And I'm looking at, man, this is unbelievable. This is incredible looking. This is beautiful. It's unbelievable. And he looks at me and he goes, who are you? I said, I'm Boom Boom. He goes, I've never heard of Boom Boom. <laughs> I, he said, I said, I'm Glenn Berto. He goes, I don't know who you are. And I said, well, do you know this guy named Denny? He goes, yeah, I know him but I don't know you. I said, what do you mean? You don't know me. He goes, you didn't listen to me. I said, come I said, Lord, have you never said anything to me? Who would not listen to you? If you talked to me, when did you talk to me? He said, I talked to you through a guy named Denny. Mm -hmm. Did he not say my word says I was just using his mouth. It was my words that he was speaking. And he said, did he not tell you that you had to repent and you had to give your heart to the Lord? He said, yeah, he did say that. He said, but you didn't do it and you rejected it, did you? I said, yeah. And then he just said one word. He said, depart. As soon as he said depart, it was like a trap door. You see, when you're in the world, you don't think hell's real. You think it's just a party place. It's going to be everything mm -hmm. you've always wanted. Every sin you ever want to commit, you can do that. I'm standing in just this brightest light, beautiful place. And all of a sudden, as the trap door opens, bam, and immediately I'm falling pitch black darkness, can't see a thing. I remember moving my hand in front of my face just to see any movement. You could see no movement at all. And I'm free fall and I can't mm -hmm. see where I'm going. All of a sudden I feel heat and I feel the hair in my legs that are burning off. I feel my skin starting to fall off my body as I'm free falling. Mm -hmm. And as I feel like I'm about ready to just explode from the heat and die, I wake up. I wake up and it took me a couple minutes to kind of, where am I at? I'm in my dormitory room, my junior year in college. And I was pitch black in my room. The light was off. So I flip up the light on and I go up to my little mirror that's in the dorm room. And I realized my hair is sopping wet with sweat. My t-shirt was wet as can be. And I had heat burns like, like a heater had hit my face and my face was red and burn some. And I looked in the mirror and I said, there is a hell and I'm going there. Wow. And, and that was the first time God warned me that I was probably on Friday going to die. And I had mm. rejected him that I was going to go to hell on Friday. And so the next night I eventually knelt down in my dormitory room and Danny was in there and he got all excited about it. Started getting excited. So close the door. So just Danny and I was in there. He goes, go ahead and pray. And so I go, our father who art in heaven, hallelujah. He goes, no, no. You say, you know, another prayer, hail Mary, full of grace to this with me. He goes, no, another prayer. And there's a scab, which is like, no, I, I forgot to memorize another one. I'm sorry. He said, just ask the Lord to come in your life. I said, Lord, come into my life, forgive my sins. And I felt 21 years, of, didn't understand it, but 21 years of junk, I guess, in my life and sin and weights. It was a weight, really. When it mm -hmm. talks about weights, people understand that lifted off of me. It was like, did you feel something? You don't have to feel something, but I did. Yeah. The first thing I said to Denny was, this is real. Mm 
And I think most people that listen to us preach and stuff think we just got a book. We're just preaching a story. It's a nice story. It's a good way to live. No, it's real. Mm -hmm. It's all real. And I've experienced so many times these supernatural things in my own life because I didn't come from a Christian family. No one is saved. Cousins, uncles, nobody was saved in my family. And that moment I was saved in my dormitory room that night to this day here that we're talking, I was a new creature. I was a new creation. I never went back, never drank another drop, never said another curse word from that day forward. I was a new person. And then where I just didn't care much about school, I fell in love with the Bible, studied, got three master's degrees now in the Bible because this book here is alive and it is life-changing and it's the greatest book ever written. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I always ask my guests to share how they met our beautiful Savior, Jesus. And I want people to hear all of these incredible men and women who've encountered a living and loving Savior. And I think for our listeners out there on the podcast, they've listened to countless people laying down their lives for Jesus and him encountering us in such unique ways that are special to each one of us. and. It's such a beautiful thing because I love to get to tell the stories. And I think all of heaven, we will get to tell the stories of how we met Jesus and all of the incredible things he's done in our life. And it's just such a privilege and an honor. So thank you for sharing that. I've loved reading through your book, Heart on Fire. You are chosen to change the world. And, you know, you said something so powerful when you were talking about your experience, that warning dream of going to hell. And I've had experiences and visions with the Lord where he's just shown me the people just slipping through his fingers like sand, slipping through the hourglass of time. And it's so important. And I think right now we're in this pivotal moment in the body of Christ when the Lord is having his leaders encourage absolutely every single one of us to step up and step into our God-given calling um, and realize that this Christian faith is more about fulfilling the Great Commission and the gospel and changing the world than it is about simply sitting in a building once a week. And so I love that you wrote this, and I think it's perfect for the hour. Can you talk a little bit about what is the first step of revival and how do we see that progress in our own lives so that we can then spread it to the world? I think it correlates with your relationship to Christ. Mm. If you are connected to Jesus, there is no way you cannot go ahead and it rub off on you in a sense, because who you hang around, you become. The Bible even says that. That's why we tell our kids, don't hang around that person or be careful with that person. That's the issue because that person, we give it a name today and pay people called influencers. And Mm. so they have influencers. We actually pay people now. We always had them as a kid but they never made any money, but they would influence you to whatever they believe, whatever they think, whatever their view is of the world, their concept of Christianity or religion or whatever. And they're influence. We're influencers basically is what we are. Mm-hmm. We're not here to just sit in church and just eat, oink, 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 and just eat the whole time here and never do anything because we're not the lights of the church. We're the lights of the world. And so who cares about how many times we clap, we sing, we shout, and I'm in church. That makes me a Christian. You go to McDonald's, they make you a hamburger. Mm -hmm. So you can sit in church the rest of your life and still miss heaven. Mm -hmm. 
Because you know what? Once God lights you up, how can you still be the same? I don't know how you can just sit there and not go ahead and thank the man that took you out of the devil's pawn shop and pulled you out and paid a price to get you out of that position of hell and put you in a place where you can have eternal life and you don't have any payback for that. And just saying, I just want to thank the Lord. When after I was saved, more than 20% of my income, and I didn't even know about the tithe because it was a matter of being thankful that my name is, I'm never going to go to hell. I'm going to live forever in eternity. Uh, you know, what I can't buy here, it's already bought there. I'm a heaven man. So it was like my future, I had a future now. It just wasn't going to end with what happened at the end of the week or what happened at the end of the day. I had something to live for. And so from day one, just the way that I was saved, I was saved in the world. I know the way the world thinks. I thought just like the world. I have no problem going up talking to anybody. So wherever I'm at is a witnessing moment. And mm -hmm. it is so easy. Listen, Christina, we got to wake up. We have the world that is testifying a lot louder than we are as Christians. We got the world that is captivating the news more than the Christians are captivating the news because we're silent in our churches. And we got all those that come out of the closet are now marching on the streets and we went in the closet. And so we've got sin that is just parading itself. We've got Sodom and Gomorrah that we're seeing how that city became the way it did here. We're seeing a prerequisite for it, the way things are going right now. And so we've got to realize we've got leaders that have to be stronger, have to be bolder. We've got to challenge people more. Church is not for what you get, it's what you can give. Mm -hmm. A church is just some ammunition to put in your gun so you can go out and just share that and love people in the world. We've got ugliness. And what does God say? You reach people by love. Mm -hmm. It goes on and on and on. So I'm just saying from day one, I was not afraid to talk to somebody in the world. So, you know, wherever I'm at, I mean, I would be in the hospital. We'll talk about this later with the cardiac arrest. This will help some people. If you know anybody that's sick, and Christina, I'm just telling people, anybody that, that is sick in your family or anybody that you know, a friend of yours that is really ill, you're going to hear a resurrection and a bona fide documented resurrection uh, of someone raised from the dead and that I was raised from the dead and it's all been documented. It's all been done. We'll tell that story just for people, Christina, hang on. But I would be in the hospital. And so my mind is wherever I'm at, sick, not sick. Wherever I work, that's apparently a harvest field for me. That's a place mm -hmm. somebody, God has put me there because somebody's lost. So I'm in the hospital the other day and a nurse comes in. She's been taking care of me because I've had a lot of issues that I've had to deal with. People hear about this later. And I've had everything I think there is except leprosy. And thank God I don't have that, won't get that. And I'm in the hospital and a girl comes in. Well, the prophetic side of me, I can use it in the church, but I doesn't need it in the church. The prophetic side is needed more outside the church than in the church. To give a word to people that already have a word is kind of doubling up in a sense and don't need that. But people out in the world here, I'll get words really about their whole life and tell them all about themselves. So a nurse comes in, I'll give you one example. She comes in, she's been taking care of me a couple of days. And then the Lord says, talk to her. I want to tell you all about her. And then I want you to pray with her. I said, okay. So she comes in, she's got a mask on. And I said, can I tell you something? She goes, well, sure. I said, it's going to be personal. Is that okay? She goes, yeah. 
I said, okay. I said, you've been divorced. You're a travel nurse. You're traveling up here, but you're tired of being a travel nurse. You're very scared to get married again, although you want to get married again. And I start telling her, her eyes get real big. And I start telling her this and she wants to move back here and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, are you a medium? Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I'm a large. And yeah. she started, she started laughing. And so I said, look, she goes, how do you know that? I said, well, I didn't know that. I said, the Lord telling me that because he loves you and doesn't want to see you totally just destroyed and beaten down from your last marriage that you were in and that all hope is lost and your life is worthless because it's not and you're valuable. And so she let me pray with her. And then she started crying, convulsing crying. And she didn't want to do it. She was embarrassed. And I said, it's okay. It's just okay. But to see that happen, then go to see a waitress and talk to a waitress. And we're sitting with some people there, pray with the waitress before she goes and stuff. And can I pray with you about simple? We had a question in our church. Can I pray with you about something? A simple question. You'll find 65% of the people will say yes. Mm-hmm. I'm in Chili's the other day, sitting in Chili's. Guy runs up and said, hey, you need some water? You know, what can I get you? I said, I'll bring you some water. I said, wait, wait a second. Can I pray with you about something? He goes, oh, yeah, let me deal with this table. I'll be back. Comes back to me. He kneels down in Chili's at the table where I'm sitting. I, what can I pray with you about? He goes, my mom just got diagnosed with cancer last week. He said, man, I could use some prayers for her. I said, good. Then let's pray. And I said, people are hurting. People are scared. People getting triggered. People are mad than ever. They have more hate than ever before, but it's part of the last days. But the devil doesn't win. Mm-hmm. And he will win if we sit back. But God's going to find a remnant. He's going to find, you know, some people that are not afraid to go and deal with this. The bottom line, because it's the spirit of death is at the root of everything. If you're wondering, oh, what are they doing with the kids? What are they doing with the, you know, the castration of this? And what are they doing with the the, the transphobia? All that's the spirit of death is what it is. Mm -hmm. And death and dead are two different words. Dead is the grave. Death is the spirit. And so the root of that is to destroy Christianity, destroy the world, and basically push us. I knew when they pushed us out of the schools and took the Bible out of the schools, I said, we're in trouble because now we have no absolute truth. Now we're going to be living by opinion. Mm -hmm. And so now we have opinion of people. Now, what's ironic about all this is if you read in Isaiah 1, the Bible talks about this. It says, the whole head will be sick and there'll be no soundness in it. Putrefying sores will be upon your nation as cities would be burned by fire. So thousands of years earlier, it even describes this isn't anything new. This is something that the devil has done all throughout the ages. Yeah, it's so interesting. That actually is a great segue into your testimony of how you were raised from the dead. I think you're absolutely right. Jesus himself says, you know, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly to the full till it overflows. And I think that's exactly what the Lord really wants us to have is life and life abundantly. And it all begins with him. Are you a new believer in Jesus and don't know where to start? First, let me say welcome to the family of God. It's so important to anchor yourself in the gospel and the finished work of Jesus. This powerful workbook includes foundational gospel truths to anchor your heart in new covenant reality and interactive journaling prompts to begin your relationship with Jesus. This workbook includes teaching based on the Word of God, 
It will help you understand precisely why you need a Savior, what Jesus has done for you, your new creation life in Him, and how to have a relationship with Him. Journal through the pages to dive deep into the heart of God for you as His child and increase your faith as you learn about our beautiful Savior. Be sure to pick up a copy of New Believer Workbook, Foundational Gospel Truths to Begin Your Relationship with Christ Jesus today. Links in the show notes, or you can pick up a copy at Amazon or ChristinaPerera.org slash store. Yeah. Can you share that story of you being raised from the dead? Because I know our listeners would probably love to hear that. Well, yeah, this is an encouragement to everyone. Many of us, Christina, that are a little older, we grew up with Old Roberts and people like that, that had healing evangelists. We have a whole generation that's not even seen healings or miracles. They've not seen it. We've seen some good communicators. We've seen gifted speakers and stuff like that. But I mean, we got a whole Bible that is starts with God makes man out of dirt. So that's a pretty cool miracle it starts with. And the whole Bible is full of that. But why are we not seeing these things that take place that we're preaching about? So there's a difference of communication in the sense of hearing something and also then seeing something. It moves to a whole nother dimension from hearing about something and then seeing that thing. It takes a whole nother level of like belief in a sense in your heart when you see the thing happen. It's mm-hmm. just kind of like when the Bible says, taste and see. Mm-hmm. I could put an apple down and say, tell me what that tastes like. It looks like it tastes like pretty good. But until you taste it, you move into another level. And that's why God says you're going to have to taste things in your life. You're going to have to walk through pain to know what it is to feel healed. You're going to have to walk through difficulty here. You're going to have to walk through things to know what a sunny day is. It's the only way you know what that is to go through dark days. So you have to taste and see that he's good and brings you through all this. So what happened about three years ago, Christine, I'm preaching in our church in Modesto. And on a Sunday, I'm running across the stage. I'm running around like I normally do. And nothing's wrong. Nothing's happening here. I play racquetball. I stayed in shape. And I'm running around. Next day, my wife has a prayer meeting. She'd have a prayer meeting on there on Monday night. We'd have a prayer meeting right before COVID hit. And there'd be a large group, probably a thousand people would come to prayer meetings on Monday night. And we would go, well, sometimes I would sit home because I would preach three times on Sunday. I'd be a little tired. And sometimes I would stay home. It's most of the time I would go, but I was tired that night and I was going to sit home. If I would have sat home, Debbie would have come home two hours later, two and a half hours later and found me dead in the chair. I'd have been dead sitting mm-hmm. in the chair when she found me. But she was having a pre-birthday party by her prayer team. And so that was the only reason that I got up and went is that she wanted me to go to her birthday party. So I got up, I drove to the church. We have a large church, about 30 acres. So the fellowship hall was on the other side of the church, but we went parked by the main church, which was the back of the church and went into like a little pastor's lounge. So we're sitting there before her birthday party. And then she goes, well, we got to go to the other side of the church. So I go out about a minute before her, go sit in the car. She comes in a minute after me. And when she gets to the car, my head is back on the seat and I'm dead. I had a cardiac arrest, which for those of you that don't know, cardiac arrest is different than a heart attack. I've already had that too, the widowmaker, earlier in my life. But a cardiac arrest is an instant. You don't know what happened. It is just immediate. You just stop. It's an electrical. It's like a light switch. It's light switch goes on, light switch goes off. It's that quick. My head is leaning back on the seat. 
She hears one breath go out of an exhale and she's shaking. She goes, come on, Glenn, wake up. She just saw me walk out and I'm going. Well, there's a lady named Penny who never really comes early because she works. She's a nurse practitioner. She works all the time. She never gets to come, but she came only because of my wife's pre-birthday party. She came early. She's supposed to park on the other side over by the birthday party, but she ends up parking where my car is two places down. What we found out later is that she's not only a nurse practitioner, but she's a cardiac arrest nurse for 25 years. So what happens is she gets out of the car, starts walking in a church. She hears Debbie yelling, Glenn, wake up, Glenn, wake up. Penny says the Lord stopped her and says, go help pastor. You can help him now. She said, I come over to you. I touch your neck. You have no pulse. Opened your eyes. They're dilated. I knew what happened to you. You had a cardiac arrest because this is what I do with. She said, I pulled you out of the core. Your feet are still on the seat. I started CPR and I started breaking your ribs because you got to break the ribs to massage the heart. So I broke all your bones in your chest. I had to do that and started doing it. She went five minutes, which is a long time for a person to do that. And said, in five minutes, said you did something I've never seen before. I said, what? She says, what happened is the Lord said, take your hands off of you. So I said, I took my hands off of you. And now what's happening, Christina, hundreds of people are coming in to the prayer meeting by now. So they're standing in a circle. So, I mean, hundreds of people are standing there from the church because I'm on the ground on the back of the church right there is where I'm at. And one of the intercessors went to my wife, says the spirit of death, we got to pray against the spirit of death over it, pastor. That's what we got to do. Well, Penny, in five minutes, takes her hands off me. And she says, what you did, you opened your eyes, you threw your hands up and said, oh God, you went back, died again. I said, well, Penny, have you ever seen that? She goes, no, you don't have a pulse. I said, well, what did you think happened? She said, I felt the Lord told me your spirit went back in your body. Don't stop. And so I kept going. She went 10 more minutes. She went 15 minutes by herself until the paramedics came. And then the paramedics come. Well, they left her there because they knew that she was a cardiac arrest nurse. So she was there. But the captain tried to get him to stop three times because they went 30 more minutes. I'm 45 minutes on the ground and they don't ever go that long, but hundreds of people are standing around. And if it wasn't for Penny being there, the captain would have called it because I was pretty much gone. They got a pulse seven times and then back dead, never really came alive again. Then they bring me over to the emergency room, which was right across the street. And I died the eighth time in the emergency room. And ironically, as people would know, eight in the Bible means resurrection. It means new birth, new mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. So they put me in a room, Christina, in the emergency room and didn't even hook me up because I was too far gone. And mm-hmm. any of the nurses are in the medical field. They know the Glasgow Coma Scale. That's where they check your brain activity to see if you have brain damage or your brain dead, which is pretty much you're done. I have a three, which I have brain damage. I'm brain dead. So. There's no use to work on me. I'm at the bottom of the list to even look at in the emergency room because I'm too far gone. I already died eight times, plus my brain activity is not there. So they didn't hook me up to anything at all. So my wife and him are all praying out there, not letting them see me at all. For two hours, they didn't get to see me. And I have no idea to tell you in two hours what happened other than there is a nurse in the emergency room that's a travel nurse drove two hours, driving two hours away, named Juan. And this guy, Juan, I find out later, we talk, he's walking down the emergency room, he's a travel nurse, and sees my name. 
And he said, I went into your room. He's telling me the story. I went into your room and I would start singing worship songs to you and your pulse would start moving. I would see it on the machine. It would just start moving a little bit. And then I would have to leave and I'd come back and do it again. I said, Juan, do you know me? He goes, yeah, I know you. I said, well, how do you know me? He said, you came to Fresno, California and preached 10 years ago. You pointed to me in the church and says, you need to get saved. That was me. And you called me to the altar and said, you're going to be a worship leader. He said, I'm a worship leader in the church. You led me to the Lord. Wow. And so I came and I prayed for you, but nobody wanted to help you. What happened, this goes into a Sikh that from India has a turban, has the whole thing as a friend of mine. Somebody called him. He ends up calling the administrator of the hospital I'm in and didn't know that this friend of mine is the head board member of the hospital I'm in. And he asked him, how's my friend, Pastor Glimberto doing? He's in your emergency room. I want to know. And so the administrator calls down there. And then that's when they start hooking me up to every machine there was to show that they kind of tried to do something. Mm. By the time my doctor from my church and Debbie saw me two hours later, I would already turn blue. My body had turned colors that it was dead. My doctor says, as a doctor, as a Christian, I had faith you were going to live. But as a doctor, you were dead when I saw you. Mm. And so. That's kind of the situation that I was in. And wow. so eventually they hooked me up. I've got the pictures of it. I'm on a defibrillator. They put a defibrillator in my heart. They went ahead and put me on a ventilator. My kidneys are not working on my dialysis. My bladder does not work. My lungs do not work. I have no brain activity right now. And basically they just bide in time. My family shows up. All my family's in the ministry. Everybody believed for miracles. Everybody's saying that. And so... I lay there for seven days. Now, what's interesting, and we know that Lazarus on the fourth day, he came out of the tomb. My wife on the third night asked God, said, give me a word. Third night, she asked for a word. In the morning, on the fourth day, 5.30 in the morning, she wakes up here and I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the resurrection, wakes up to that. And he wakes her up and she goes, God, where is that? That's Lazarus, it's Lazarus. Well, that's John eleven twenty five, where it says, I'm the resurrection and life. If you believe, though you die, you will live. Well, you couldn't get one scripture, Christine, out of the whole Bible. That would be better than that to get that in John eleven twenty five. I died on eleven twenty five. November 25th is when I died. Wow. So what happened that day, I'm paralyzed. They paralyzed my body. I'm in a coma. I'm on a ventilator. And there's no movement at all. She says, on that fourth day, I'm talking to you. You turned your head, which you shouldn't do. You can't because you're paralyzed. And you tried to open your eyes. Now, I don't remember it at all, but she said it was a sign to me that you're still there. We got to keep praying. Mm -hmm. So what happened is they waited for seven days. And then they say, we got to take the ventilator out. And uh, this is the day, you know, mm -hmm. pretty much is over. It's done. Now. Spiritually now, Christina, this blows some people's minds here with all this that I'm about to tell you, but I validate this scripturally with people that are doctorates and stuff like this that know more Bible than I know. But during this time, what was happening now, people wonder, I'm answering some questions here from the dead side. You can hear. You can hear. When people say to talk to the person, I'm going to tell you what I heard. I'm in a dark room is where I went. People say, did you see Jesus? And I said, no, I didn't see Jesus. I said, where I went, 
I went in the room of death is where I went. And it was pitch black. And I could tell it was a room because across from me, I could see the outline of a door that was light on the outside of that room. And I could see the crease that it was in the shape of a door. And it was a feeling of I'm in this room, but there's a lot of people in this room with me that's not talking. It is, I wasn't alone in the room. I'm sitting in a chair looking across at that door. And there's a figure that's walking, blinking. I could see it blink every time it went past that little light of the crease of the door, but I couldn't tell the shape of it. So something was guarding that door. Now, I'm from Louisiana where they have tornadoes and hurricanes down in South Louisiana. So I know what that sounds like. And I start hearing in a distance this deep, powerful, rumble of the earth and it's coming toward the room that i'm in and as it's coming closer i'm sitting there now here it is i'm dead now in my mind my spirit though is not dead your physical body can't hear your physical body can't hear at all it's your spirit is still alive your spirit doesn't die mm -hmm. so my spirit is hearing this and seeing this and all of a sudden i'm saying what is that sound that's rumbling this room and as it got closer, Christina, it was people's voices. And I could hear my wife. I heard pastors, friends of mine. I heard my staff pastors. I heard people that I know. And they're saying the same thing. Death, you can't have him. Death, you have to let him go in Jesus' name. And they were saying this in such a powerful way. This figure now is blinking faster like it's nervous. And it's going faster and faster. This thing gets to the door. They're right outside the door and is deafening. It is so loud. And all of a sudden, I didn't see it blink anymore. In about 10 seconds, I felt something grab me. And he says, you got to get out of here now. And pulls me over to that door, opens the door. I turned to look back to see what it looked like, but it couldn't see the light. It went behind the door as it opened it, pushed me in the light. And that's the time the ventilator came out of my mouth and I started breathing. Wow. At the same time. So now I'm now not awake yet, but my mind, my spirit is still alive and I'm breathing. And this doctor that's not a Christian said, it's Miracle Sunday, Miracle Sunday, he's breathing. And I'll tell you about what he talked to my family about being brain damaged and everything like that. But so I'm asking God questions and I'm not talking yet in my mind, my spirit. And I said, God, I'm breathing. How am I able to be alive? I said, look, I know the scripture here. It says, this pointed on the man wants to die, then the judgment. And God says to me, he says, say that again. I said, the pointed on the man wants to die, then the judgment. He said, Glenn, how long is then? And I'm like, God, how many times have I read that scripture? And yeah, he said, you ask your son to mow the front yard, mow the backyard, then you're going to have dinner. What time dinner? Give me the exact time dinner is. Well, I don't know how long that's going to take. He says, so that's a period of time. He said, you were not judged. He said, if you're judged, you go to heaven or hell. He said, Lazarus was not judged. Else he, boy, if he was judged, he couldn't come back. So you were not judged. And there was a period of time where there was a battle that was going on with the spirit and with the spirit of death that was going on. And there was a fight. I said, but how was I able to come out of that room? How did I come out of that room? He said, come on, Glenn, you know the Bible. I said, well, what? He said, well, take the seven sons of Stephen in the book of Acts. What did the devil say? Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? Mm -hmm. He said, Glenn, most of the church are who are you? Mm -hmm. He said, he recently mentioned Jesus and Paul because they had authority. Mm -hmm. He said, it was people that had authority. That's the only way you came out of this. 
And you have people, that's why Jesus cleared the room of people that were doubters. If they doubted, didn't have faith, get out. Mm-hmm. And so only those that had authority and you had people that had authority that could command this thing to go. And that's the only reason you're breathing right now is because of what they were able to do. Wow. And I realized God's the only way that can take something bad, make it worse and call it a promotion. <laughs> He's so good at doing stuff like that, isn't he? You know, he takes the worst things that the enemy could throw at us and turns them around. For turns it into greatest. a promotion. Yeah, our greatest no. good and the good of yeah. others. And it's amazing to me. So when your book, you said that revival is for everyone. And I firmly believe that if our listeners out there, they want to have this supernatural life, they don't want to be one of those people that don't have authority. They want to be one that Jesus knows and has authority. What would you say to them? Where do they start? You've got to activate yourself. Sitting Christians hatch hypocrites. You can't just sit there and just be a listener. You know what? You've got to work. You've got to do something. You know, I wonder, is God going to give you his name? He's got the blood that covers every sin there is of anybody. He causes demons to tremble just by the say his name. And one day when we get to heaven, are we going to be the one that hit the seed and just say, here, I didn't lose it. And God says, you wicked person. I mean, he basically got very upset in the parable of the sore with it. The point is, is this, is that I don't know how anybody that's been saved for years is going to go to heaven and you're going to face Jesus and he's going to ask you, what did you do? Mm. Because see, your success in life is not measured by what you've done, but what you've left undone. What is it that God wants you to do that you say, well, I'm just not that kind of person like you that goes on out and talks that way and does this. You have your own story that nobody can take away from you. And you know what? You are the next revival. Revival is not going to come down. It's going to come out. Amen. (laughs) It doesn't come down. It's already in you. That's why you were been chosen and the fire is inside of you. And you have to connect that with doing what God says to do and talk to people and help people. That's what I'm saying. It's communication, sharing. Has he done anything in your life? You have anything good to say? The world can't take that away from you. They can't take your testimony away. Mm -hmm. Tell my testimony. Tell my old man. I heard a man on Christina's show and he came back to life. Use my story if you don't have one. (laughs) But you got something you can say that God changed your life and touched your life. And people need to hear this because people, listen, All the Lord is, our Bible basically is a second opinion to everything in the world, is what it is. The world has a certain opinion on everything, on our kids, on marriages, on drugs, on everything there is. This Bible, Jesus is a second opinion. Mm -hmm. Thank you, doctor, for telling me. I appreciate you diagnosed with cancer and can't do anything. But I have another doctor that has a second opinion. And he says, by stripes, I'm healed. I thank you for your help. I appreciate what you do. But I also have another doctor here that can help me and do this, do a miracle. And mm-hmm. I think it's a matter of it's time for us to just quit sitting back and we're watchers. We got too many watchers instead of doers. We need to begin to start doing what he says, because I wonder when we get to heaven, if God's going to show us what we could have done in our lifetime. And when we look at it, it's going to be a disappointment of how great we could have been. But we stopped. We stopped and we didn't walk on and we didn't get up again 
we got knocked down. Listen, everybody gets knocked down, but not everybody gets back up again. Yeah. Don't rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise like a seven, eight. Mm -hmm. When I'm in darkness, I'll be in the light. Listen, you're in a fight. We're in a war. You can tell it. It's obvious even more and more now than ever before. We are in a battle and we need every Christian to stand up and plant a seed. Now, here's the secret, Christian. Yes, Christina, the thing is, is you think that when you share with somebody, they're going to go ahead and fall down. They're going to start crying. They're going to get saved. Many times they're going to look at you like you're crazy and you're odd. That's what I did. But the thing about it, the Holy Spirit, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to recall truth. Mm -hmm. Plant a seed in somebody so the Holy Spirit can work on them. Mm -hmm. I would not have been saved by somebody just talking to me, but they talked to me, planted the word in me. And then at night, the Holy Spirit would just be talking. I thought the guy had ESP. How's he talking to me in his dormitory room? And he's not even in my room. The Holy Spirit would recall truth. But if you don't have any truth that you've given to somebody, there's nothing the Holy Spirit can do to convict that person's heart. Mm. So God needs us. It's not going to come down and presto, we're going to walk into this wonderful revival that takes place. It takes each one of us in our little circle. First thing is your family. Go after and win your family because God promises to win your family. But are you a good testament? I was the only one. I got beat up in my family. I got called names. God broke our family up when my mom told me, you don't do what we do anymore. You judge us. And I don't, didn't judge them, but that was the conviction they had because I didn't mm. do what they did anymore. Mm. So you've got to go ahead and be the light. Now, because of that, my sister ends up, took 15 years. She got saved. Took 30 years from my mom and dad to get saved. But my family now is in heaven. So yeah. you can't go ahead and give up and look at it at a certain amount of time God's supposed to move. You stay with it because the world sees you is you're going to quit if I put enough pressure on you. Mm -hmm. But if you don't quit, then they see you may have something real and they want to check it out. So good. So good. Well, will you pray for our listeners before we go today that they can ignite this flame inside of them, that they will realize how chosen they are to go out into this world and share Jesus? Father, I know in the scripture, you say there is a fire that we have. Each of us have a fire. The problem is it's contained in a fireplace. Wildfire is when it spreads mm -hmm. and revival is when it spreads. And this fire needs to move out of a contained area. And Father needs to come out to where it touches other lives. And I pray that, Lord, for family members right now, that, Lord, the reason that they will ever hear about the Lord, know about the Lord, even be convicted to come to Christ is because of the people listening because they're going to open up and they're going to share why they live the way they live, why they believe the way they believe, why they are going to church. There are people in their lives confused at why they're so committed, why they give to a church. Why do they do that? So God, I pray that Lord, you will right now today cause that flame to turn up on every stove. There is different degrees of fires. There are different degrees of turning the knob. And Father, you can just simmer for the rest of your life and never boil over. I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, there'll be some boiling over because mm -hmm. God comes so big, we can't contain you in our bodies. And I pray that for each and every one, for their families and friends, that, God, there'll be a light and communicate the love of God to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Amen. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Well, Christina, and people that want, like I said, there's that book on the miracles. There's a book you can go to Chosen Books of Why Am I Not Healed? And the one we're talking about too on the Heart on Fire. That's all. You can go to Amazon and get both of those. Just look up Glenn Berto and you'll see the different books that are available. And I hope it blesses people. Yes. And guys, I will put links in the show notes as always to all of your stuff so you can get copies of those. Thank you so much for being here with me today. It's been so fun. I hope and I pray today's episode has blessed you. I will have links from today's podcast and resources in the show notes on cpnshows.com under Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira or wherever you get your podcasts. There you'll find additional resources to connect with us and our special guest, Glenn Berto. And don't forget to pick up a copy of his new book, Heart on Fire. You are chosen to change the world. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I hope today's episode has blessed you. Please subscribe, share it with your friends, and don't forget to sign up for our ministry mailing list for more encouraging content about our beautiful Savior, Jesus. Just text JESUS to 1-833-815-7778. That's 1-833-815-7778. 7778. And of course, it's your turn now to join the conversation. Send me your burning questions, leaders you would like to hear from in the body of Christ, your testimonies, and more. Just click join the conversation in the show notes. And for more information about our ministry, visit us at ChristinaPereira.org. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless.